Well, good morning, everybody. It's nice to see you again. It's so cool. For our guests that are here today, um, just to let you know, kind of fill you in, otherwise you're going to be lost. Uh, we're in the middle of a, of a big transition here at our church. Our senior pastor, 17 years, is, is moving on, and I've been discipled for, by him for the last 10 and kind of stepping into that. And why are we make this transition? We're taking some time as a church to kind of examine why do we exist? What are our foundations? What are we built on as a congregation of believers? And uh, our senior pastor, Scott, did a great job uh, letting us know that our bedrock is the Bible. That is our authority, and, and that's what we build upon. And over the last few weeks, we talked about other blocks of our foundation that are built upon that Word of God, our heritage, our history. And today, we're going to talk about our heart. Everybody cares deeply about something. It's just part of our design. It's just who we are. Um, yesterday, I had the great joy of getting to go out and uh, purchasing a television. I've been saving for one for about 18 months and uh, doing little odd jobs and electrical work and things like this. And I got to go and, and finally purchase the television that I had wanted. And because now that I'll be senior pastor, I can watch the Broncos at night because I won't be doing youth group at night. So praise God for that. So I want to be ready. And whilst I was out doing this, it was obvious who was passionate about what. As I went to the different video stores, there were some people who were passionate about picture and plasmas. Let me tell you what. They would just look for the opportunity to talk about that. And others, LEDs or surround sound, whatever the people were passionate about, the salespeople, that is what you could just get them to talking and not stop. There were people there that were passionate about different sports. You could see it because they had the ball caps on, the T-shirts. Uh, and uh, even one store I went to, they had the guy would change the channel to, to watch what his team that was on there. It's easy to tell a person's passions. But even in other smaller things, or not actually smaller, much greater things, some people are passionate not about sports and what kind of picture is on a television, but they care about family. And you could tell they're passionate about it because their house, you go there and there's just pictures of family all over. They set their schedules around when their family is going to come over. You, they just look for opportunities to talk about their kids and their grandkids. Uh, there are people that are passionate about their jobs. And you can tell because you look in their house and there's just things all over their house about the achievements that they got at work or whatever. And you start talking to them and what do they want to talk about? Their jobs. Because they're passionate about them. I think as humans, it's impossible not to be passionate about something. It's just who we are. If we're not passionate about something, we somehow wither and die inside. We were just made to care deeply about things. And uh, those things are obvious. What we're passionate about just shines through. It, it just beats at the heart of who we are and everything else in our lives reflect that. And what is true for us as individuals is uh, true for us as a church. We have a heart. There is something that we as a congregation of believers are deeply passionate about. And that heart is going to shape who we are. It's going to shape our very identity. Now, today we're going to take a little bit of time to look at that heart. Do a little heart check. Maybe a rediscovery for some, maybe a flat out just discovery for others. But this is who we are, what beats at our chest. In 1995, uh, Rick Warren, the pastor of a big old church out west, 
he published a book called The Purpose Driven Church. A couple of years later, he published The Purpose Driven Life. But the first book he talks about, uh, he lists and describes the five main purposes that God has given for his church through Scripture. And, of course, he wasn't the one to come up with these. He was, uh, in fact, throughout the years, these five purposes have been discussed by pastors and scholars and Christians throughout the ages about this is what the church is for. But he did a great job at uh, helping us in the modern times reconnect with those five purposes. Many churches do one or two of these things really well. They're, they're, they're great at fulfilling one or two of these purposes for God's church, but they might neglect others. However, only a healthy church is going to be able to, uh, to fulfill all five main purposes. That's kind of one of the signs of health. Are we doing what God called us to do? And so when we look at these purposes, it's important for us to say, are we doing them? Because faithfulness as a body, that's our number one priority, isn't it? Now, we want to be faithful to God. And if we're faithful to God, well, then our church will be healthy, right? And there's lots of other great benefits that go with that. So let's talk briefly about these five purposes. The first one is worship. And worship just means celebrating God's presence for who he is and what he has done. It's the coming to God. And another way I've heard it said is living with the knowledge that you are in the presence of the Almighty. That's worship. And in Matthew 4.10, it says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. See, we were made to have a relationship with God. And worship is expressing our love to God and our devotion to him. It's, it's just part of the core of why God made us. In fact, a life without worship is a very hollow life indeed. So we worship. In John 4.23, this was uh, alluded to earlier today, it says this, But an hour is coming, this is Jesus talking, it says an hour is coming and, and is now that when worshipers, the true worshipers, shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Now, uh, some churches are very formal. Some are very uh, emotional, right? It's very expressive. In our church, we tend to be kind of in the middle of the road. And you say, well, why is that? Well, it's because it's all that great diversity we talked about last week. We have folks here from very charismatic, very expressive backgrounds and, and folks here from very conservative, very liturgical backgrounds. But we all come here together to worship God. And when you kind of blend all that together, we have this cool amalgam of expression, how we worship. But it's not the style that matters. It's the heart of worship that is here all the time. It's a beautiful and a wonderful thing. Now, we worship God in lots of ways Scripture talks about. We can worship him through singing. We can worship him through our commitment to him, right? Giving our bodies, as it says in, in Romans 12, 1, as living sacrifices. <laughs> That's worship. We worship him through prayer. We worship him by proclaiming his word. That's what I get to do right now. This is an act of worship to God. How amazing and wonderful. We worship God through our giving, like Jan just pointed out. We worship God through taking the Lord's Supper. Really, if you look at it, we worship God with our lives. A life dedicated and devoted to God is a life of worship. And today, you didn't come to church. You came together as the church to worship God. That's why it's called a worship service. Our first purpose is worship. And uh, we give ourselves to that holy because he is a holy, worthy God. Our second purpose God calls us to is, well, we'll call it mission or outreach. It's also evangelism. Uh, there's... 
Call it what you want. There's lots of different books now that talk about it. It's all the same purpose. It's uh, this is all about communicating God's love to others. It's sharing the incredible news of Jesus. <laughs> and what a great purpose that is. It's the job of, hey, tell people good news. Well, that's a great purpose to live for. Ephesians 3.10 says, uh, so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church. Right. So we tell others so that the world can know what God did for them. That's a that's an amazing thing. See, we, the church, the body of Christ, we are the agency. We are the vehicle for evangelism, for helping others come from darkness into light. Romans 10, uh, 13 and 14 says, whoever call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they call on him whom they have not first believed? And how will they believe in him if they have not heard? And how will they hear unless someone tells them? See, in 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us, be reconciled to God. If we hold this great news to ourselves, what a hateful and mean thing to do to a world that needs it. But the body of church, uh, the body of Christ, one of our main purposes is to make sure that others hear and know that Jesus loves them, that God loves them, that there is a way that they could be reconciled. And we do that. A third purpose that God gives us is discipleship. And that's basically educating people, helping them grow spiritually, helping them become more like Jesus really is what it is. It includes the education, but also the teaching and the training and the forming. See, God doesn't just want us to be saved. The Great Commission isn't, hey, go make you know, converts. You know, that's what, not what Jesus called us to do. He said, go make disciples. How? Well, go to them, obviously, but then teach them to obey. That's, that's a hugely important thing. We want to be conformed to the image of his son because Jesus' character is amazing. It's perfect. I want to be more like that. So Hebrews 6.1, the, the author of Hebrews gets frustrated with his audience because they're not growing the way they should. And so later on in, in chapter 6, he finally says, hey, let's, let's press on to maturity. Let's do this. Right? And the whole idea is press on. You get the idea that maybe... Discipleship may not be easy. <laughs> it takes commitment. It takes time. Ask Scott, who's been discipling me for the last 10 years. It takes commitment and, and patience and effort. But you can press on to maturity. As a church, we help each other do that. And Second Peter 3.18, it says, Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what he wants us to do. It's to grow. Do you see it's a process? It's not like one day you wake up and all of a sudden you're just like the perfect Christian. Right? It just doesn't ever happen to anyone. But it's a process of growth. That's why they're called fruits of the Spirit, right? That they grow in our lives. It's a process. Ephesians 4.11-13 says uh, that God has given the body uh, all these spiritual gifts. And this is what they're for. For the equipping and the building up of one another. Until we all attain the unity of the scriptures. He was talking about um, it's for the equipping and the building up of us so we, until we attain a unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to uh, become the mature people that he made us to be. Until we attain the full measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. I'm not there yet, but he's given us his word. That's what we build our everything on to help us grow. And he's also given us the spiritual gifts and each other to help each other grow in this way. But the whole purpose of one of the main purposes of the church is that we would grow, 
a shallow and a not growing church is not what he's looking for. So discipleship is what we give ourselves to. Fourth given purpose is ministry. Ministry sounds very formal, but really it's, it's a very informal thing. It's, it's just demonstrating God's love in a practical way to other people. It's, it's what First John talks about, that we love because God first loved us. In John 13, 35, it says, but by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. It's a phenomenal that our ministry of caring and loving for one another is the chief reason why people will listen to our outreach and our evangelism. Right. We truly have a love for one another. It just doesn't make sense to the world because we're very different. And we all come together recognizing I am a sinner. Right. Most times you go and make friends like first dates and things like this. You you don't tell somebody all, like the first thing you don't base it upon is, yeah, I'm broken and screwed up. But we're all here because we admit that. <laughs> and the fact that we can love each other despite that is amazing. We minister to each other. We love one another. In John three sixteen and 17, it says, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for each other. That's an amazing thing. I like how first John just kind of mirrors that. Regular John 3.16. 1 John 3.16 gives purpose and meaning behind it. What Jesus has done doesn't just save us, but it also gave us a model to follow. We love one another. We lay down our lives for one another. We minister to each other. One of the key factors in church growth is also uh, how friendly and caring a church is, right? If ministry is so important in and to the body. If we come to the church and we're just very cold and mean and, and don't say hi to each other and don't really care for one another, what do you think that speaks? Especially as a, as a guest would come in, that would be a very awkward situation to walk into. But God has given us a great love for one another, a love that is obvious and contagious. You can't fake love and care and concern. And so ministry is not something we do, but it's a lifestyle. It's who we are as a church. And the amazing thing is, is we also recognize the great value of each other. As uh, God and Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, I mean, that he says that we're all part of the same body, right? We're all different members. We're all different. We have different purposes and functions. We all have different gifts. But we're all part of the same body, and therefore we're all important. In fact, he says, you know, if one part of the body hurts, doesn't the whole body suffer? Right? And if one part is doing well, doesn't the whole body rejoice? We are part of something together. How can we not love one another. The fifth major purpose of the church follows right on the heels of that, and that's fellowship. Fellowship is community. It's commonality. It's partnership. It's a sense of I belong. It's linking arms in the common cause. Ephesians 2.19 says, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but now fellow citizens and saints of God's holy household. Amazing. Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the assembling together of yourselves as some do, but encourage one another all the more to see the day of Christ coming near. There's something phenomenal about the Christian faith is it was never designed to be lived alone. There, there's no place for the Lone Ranger Christian in the New Testament. It just didn't, he didn't exist. We were designed to work together, to love one another, support one another, to grow together. Sometimes for the encouragement, sometimes for the accountability, but in all times, we're to help each other through fellowship, through love. We belong. 
We belong because we belong to God. And so if Christ has accepted you, who am I to reject you? Right? And so we are part of this fellowship. We are together. Now, those are the purposes that we live by. Last week, we, which we looked at our history, we discovered that we're also we're a church that's uh, on a mission. Right. Our our history was shaped by the mission that we're on, <laughs> undeniably, wonderfully shaped by our mission. And our mission is this so at Christian Church of Estes Park. We are a fellowship of believers with a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission to know God's love, to grow in God's love, to love God and others and to go and to share God's love. Now, I'm going to do the next slide here. Do you see those blue words? Know, grow, love, and go. Right? Those are important because those are just words as part of who we are. So this next slide, I want you to see our strategy. How, oh, that came out horrible. It looked really good on my computer. So the yellow ones, and I'll fix this for second service. The yellow ones there, you'll see. I'm so glad I color-coordinated this. That is our strategy. We start with the community work down to the very core. Right. How are we reaching our community and then our congregation? That's us, our fellowship. And then we have the committed those in the fellowship that are, you know, not just kind of satelliting on the peripheral, but actually, say, OK, this is I'm going to serve. I'm going to be part of this. And then the core, those that, you know, have just owned this and are growing in faith and now discipling others in the body. But the community with our purposes, our mission and our fellowship, right, the outreach and fellowship, this purpose of the church it's how we go and we fulfill our our call to our community that way we share the good news of jesus that's mission the love of christ and we also have fellowship as jesus said that that the world will know that you're my followers by your love for one another that's that's how we know that we're legit and so our fellowship our care for one another but also we're a part of this community we're, we're not separatists we're not like on a little compound outside of Estes on a hill. I mean, it kind of looks like it, but we don't. <laughs> we don't live here. We come here to gather the worship of the church. We live in the town. We live in the community. And so for my neighbors who don't know Christ yet, I have something in common with them. I live here and now with them. I share the same joys and frustrations that they do. And there is a level of fellowship of being in this world that uh, is, is so important. It's loving my neighbor. And that goes to the, in our, our mission statement to know God's love, right? That uh, goes right to that. That we want our community to know God's love. And how are they going to do that? Well, they're going to see it in us. The second thing is we want us to grow in God's love. That's the next one. Well, that's our congregation. When somebody comes to faith, the first thing we do is, is to help each other grow in the knowledge and likeness of Christ. And so fellowship, that's a huge first one, because how are you going to grow as a Christian if you're trying to do it by yourself? You're going to get you know, beat up by the world. Life's going to be hard at times. And the faith is, is an easy thing to get rid of when God doesn't make sense. But when you have a fellowship of believers who stands with you and you, and you uh, are united with, they're the ones that can encourage us through those hard times. They're the ones that help us through the easy times when it's easy to forget about God. And we're doing great on our own. And we could say, oh, I don't need God. And a fellowship of believers is so wonderful to say, yes, but isn't God the one who's providing great blessings for you? And remind us to focus our, our gratitude where it ought to be. A fellowship is an amazing thing. And that's one of the things that I so appreciate about this church is that we're a fellowship. We love one another. And then through that, we also worship God. 
in our worship of God, of giving to him as we come together, as we uh, give him our praise, as we give him our concerns, as we give him our, our love, as we give him all these things, we grow. We worship him and we grow in love for him. And so to grow in God's love, that's what we do together as a congregation. For those who are committed, those that have come and are part of the congregation, part of the church family, but these are the, the ones that, you know, are the ones that really want to serve. So as we grow in this and you recognize your purpose and your plan in God's life, we help you discover your spiritual gifts. We help you discover how God shaped you for ministry. We just help you find where God's place for you in life is. And you start to grow in that. You're committed. You're committed to God. And guess what commitment takes? Well, commitment, well, it takes commitment, but what it leads to is discipleship. It helps us become more like Christ. You're never going to become more like Christ unless you want to become more like Christ and are committed to doing it because it's hard work. And it takes effort and it takes humility. But it also, the community, we also give it to ministry. You cannot be a believer, as Jan talked about. Why are some Christians cold? Because they're always receiving and never giving, right? There's a, a saving in the church that says, you know, impression without expression leads to depression, right? Think of like a, a star that just keeps getting matter. And all this matter keeps going into the star and eventually it implodes because it, it gets depressed and it implodes into a black hole. Christians, we ought not be this way. If we are being impressed by God's word and his love, that needs to flow through us. It needs to be expressed. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be depressed. Right. And so discipleship and ministry is what we try to help as a body of Christ help each other move towards. So we're actively expressing God's love. And, of course, that goes to our part of our mission to to love God and others. And remember, that goes about goes down to love. Now, the last one here is to the core. Uh, Those that have not just are not just being disciples, but those amongst us who are also helping build disciples, because that's the natural progression of discipleship. (laughs) We are to reproduce. We are to help. But. As we grow in Christ and we get to that point where we're now also able to make disciples for Jesus. Um, that's ministry. It's obviously a lot of love, but it's also a lot of mission, isn't it? It's going and expressing God's love to our community. It's sending out believers into the community, those who you are teaching and helping grow. To show them God's love in practical ways and in areas that you yourself could not go. But it's also... Being an example of Christ in a, in a very dark world. That is our strategy. And it's been working pretty good. <laughs> we continue to reach new people. We continue to grow as a congregation. See, we want to continually be moving people from the community to the core. That's, that's so important. And by doing this, we are being disciples of Jesus that help build disciples of Jesus. And what a great thing to do. How we do this, of course, is affected by the motivations that drive us. Right? This is our strategy. But how do we do this? Why do we do this? Well, we have motivations. Every church has motivations. Everybody has motivations. But churches in particular, if you read like church books that say what's right with our church or what's wrong with our church, those books always talk about different motivations that churches have. And the first and the major one is tradition. A lot of churches are motivated by tradition. And you can tell if you're in a church that's motivated by tradition because they'll always say things like, well, how have we done it in the past? Right? Or if you want to try something new, it's like, we've never done that before. Right? Uh, or we don't usually do that. Now, a, cha- a church like that, a congregation that is motivated by their tradition, 
oftentimes change is difficult, right? Tradition is a great thing, but if it's a motivator, it can also be a very hindering thing to say, well, we want to make sure that we look like we did in the past, right? And so um, for me personally, obviously you could tell I'm biased on this. I don't think tradition is a really great way to be motivated. I think that God's dreams for us are much bigger than the memories he's already given us. He's called us to greater things. Another major motivator for churches is personality. Usually it's a strong personality. You should be like a strong, like a, like a senior pastor or a strong person in the, in the church or something like that. And you know you're in a, a church that has a strong personality as a motivator because people will usually ask, well, what do you think so-and-so would think before you even think about doing something, right? Well, what do you think they would think about this, right? There's nothing wrong with having strong personalities, but as a motivator, this is Christ's church. And so it's not mine or yours or it's Christ's church. And so he should be the strong personality. And we should always be asking, what does he think? But as far as we'll take the wonderful, strong personalities that God's given us and use their voices to help shape and guide where we go. But we need to make sure that we're attuned to the words of Christ. We need to be attuned to his spirit and what he wants us to do. Another major motivator for churches, very practical one, especially after coming through what we did, is finances. Um, and you can tell if a church is motivated by finances, people often ask, well, can we afford it? Is it in the budget? If we do that, will our offerings go down? Now, these aren't bad questions. They're good questions. But they shouldn't be our first thing that we ask, right? And it shouldn't be the last thing. The first and last should be, what does Christ want us to do? And how do we do that? And Find a way. If the budget doesn't have it, well, let's find a different way, right? But churches that are, that are motivated by budget will be afraid to do things to offend, to help, <laughs> to, to shape, because the, the, end, the bottom line, the budget, is the, is the biggest motivating factor. <laughs> as long as things are okay on the spreadsheet, then they're happy. The problem is something that I've noticed in being in ministry for four, well, ten years is that sometimes when things are going real well financially, is at the exact same time when people are struggling the most in the body. It's unbelievable. And so I don't know why it's that way. Maybe it's because God loves pastors. and He's like, okay, we'll just give you as much as you can handle. <laughs> we'll give you a good budget right now because you've got these things to deal with. I don't know. <laughs> but we shouldn't set our contentment level as is our budget where it ought to be. We shouldn't set that as our motivator either. Our motivation shouldn't be to be in the black every year. We've got bigger things to live for. Now, some churches live by one of those. Some have a combination of those. But most churches, a lot of healthy churches, don't have those as their motivations. A lot of churches don't. In fact, a lot of churches are motivated by something different, and that's their purposes. Right? They, they say, what has God called us to do, and let's do that. And we're going to work with the strong people. We're going to use our, our tradition to help us. To, to do what God's calling us to do in the future. We're going to use those strong personalities to help us do what God wants us to do. We're going to use our finances and our budget we're going to, and be smart about how we do it to help us do what God wants us to do. Because the motivation there is they want to do what God wants them to do. That's they're living for their purposes. And so it's important Obviously, I'm biased towards that, that we live for our purposes. And I think that you see that we have. See, if we neglect discipleship, if we neglect worship, we're going to miss out on the greatest blessing 
that God can give us. It's, it's, the, it's the joy of the greatest commandment, to love God with everything we are. If we neglect those things, then we're never going to know what it means to truly love God with everything. And our lives will be diminished. If we fail at fellowship, we're never going to know the joy of the second greatest commandment, what it means to love others as much as we love ourselves, to actually break out of, once and for all, selfishness. And, and to, to live for something bigger than just the smallness of what's between here and here. How cool is it when we live for those bigger things? But if we forget, we're stuck with the smallness of, of ourselves. If we skimp on evangelism or mission or outreach, we're going to miss the greatness of our call. We're going to live our lives for, for things that, that are tiny. We're going to waste our lives on pursuits that are much too small to ever satisfy us. I mean, if we're living for our jobs and you become the CEO, yay, you die. (laughs) Right? You you end up having the best family in the world. That's fantastic. And that's a wonderful thing. But that's not going to satisfy you because that's not in the deep core of who you are. It's what you were made to live for. You see, we were made for a mission. Until we fulfill that, we're not going to really have satisfaction. So we can't skimp on that. If we fall away from our purposes, we will inevitably end up fighting each other over issues of preference. Church history is proof of that, isn't it? If we'll engage the world, but we'll engage the world with no real point. If we don't have a purpose, we'll be there mostly just to impose our viewpoints of the world or our preferences on others. That's basically what our purpose would be. And that's not a very pretty purpose. We might try to do good in the world. But if we're doing it with any purpose, uh, we're not really going to make any transformation, are we? Because we're out there just to do good, just to do good. And that just makes us do-gooders. Nobody likes them. (laughs) Transformation, and that's what we want. It takes heart, doesn't it? You want to transform a life? You want to transform a community? That takes passion and heart. And without purpose... There really isn't a point to things. Now, last week, uh, as a church family, we talked about how we as a church very much have a point, that we are a church on a mission. Our history shows that we are a church on a mission. We're not just haphazard. We're living for something. We're living for that great mission that we were talking about, a great commitment to the great commandment, to know God, to to love God, to love God and others, to go and show God's love to others. We, We are a church on a mission. And the reason that we're able to do that is because we're a church that lives up to our purposes. Our God-given purposes of worship and outreach and discipleship and ministry and fellowship, we live for those. Now, one thing, however, we haven't talked about so far is the passion that gives rise to the purpose. I mean, why live for those things? I mean, certainly we don't worship for worship's sake. That'd be silly. And we're not passionate about outreach or discipleship because they're just so darn fun. And uh, the truth is, is that uh, oftentimes our purposes drive us to do hard things, don't they? I mean, outreach uh, requires selfless love. Worship requires complete surrender of everything. (laughs) That's not easy. Discipleship requires humility. Ministry requires great sacrifice. Fellowship requires a lot of forgiveness and a whole bunch of grace. These are not simple, easy things. They're hard. We're not just going to do these because we feel like doing them. Because chances are we often don't feel like doing them. So why do we do them? 
See, the only reason that we are motivated and empowered to fulfill these purposes is because there is something behind them that we as a church family are extremely passionate about. And if that is, if you will, it's the very heart that, that pumps life into everything that we do. So what is this thing that we are so passionate about? What is the heart of the Christian church of Estes Park, this family of believers? Well, it's simple. It's our passion is this, that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. That's it. Jesus saved us from our sins by dying on the cross. Thanks to him, we are no longer condemned to hell, nor to the bondage of the past, nor to the tyranny of our own depravity. Instead, we are forgiven. We are redeemed. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and it's not because we deserved it. It's one of the best things about coming to church is you realize I didn't have to be good enough to begin with because I knew I wasn't. But God did it for me because Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I am now made good enough. <laughs> and just as Jesus died to save us, he arose from the dead to prove that he is God. He is God and he proved it. That's awesome. He think about this. You read Isaiah chapter six. If you wonder if God's cool. He's amazing. Just the vision of the likeness of the glory of God was enough to make a prophet fall down like he's dead. Jesus sits on the throne in heaven where his reign and his wisdom and his power are endless. And you know what the cool thing is, is he reigns on this earth now through our hearts. And someday he's going to merge the two, give us a new heaven and earth. He's coming back. And that same rule in heaven where he has absolute authority because he's absolute love and absolute goodness is going to be here. He is God. And he's wonderful. I mean, with a Lord and a Savior like this, how could we not be compelled to give ourselves to him in all things? How could we not reach out to others who are just as lost and broken as we were? And to tell them the great news that there is a powerful, loving, wonderful God who made a way for them to be made right, to be made whole, to heal them, to give them a purpose and a future. Jesus is good news. He's great news. How could we fail to proclaim to those that are around us that forgiveness is for all if they would just come to believe? It's a free gift. How could we not be driven to become like this Lord and Savior in our character through discipleship? How could that not be like a deep motivator in our lives? Who doesn't want to be like Christ? <laughs> How could we resist the joy of the fellowship of others who have drank in so deeply also of that river of life like we have? Who can understand and talk about this most amazing thing? The only people who have experienced it. Fellowship is a great place. See, Christ Jesus, he is our Lord and our Savior. That is the heart of this fellowship. That is the passion that marks everything we do. It is what's behind all of our purposes. It's behind our mission. It's behind our history. It's who we are. And it's evidenced by everything we do. 
Everyone is passionate about something. (laughs) Could be silly things. Could be crazy things. But here, we're passionate about Jesus. That's our foundation. That's our heart. Now, that's us as a congregation. But I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, what about you? What is your foundation? Is Jesus Lord and Savior? Because if Jesus isn't Lord and Savior, then what motivation do you have at all to, to live for him? What motivation do you have at all to live for any purpose? What, is, what are you passionate about? And if our greatest passions are our hobbies or our jobs or even something as great as our families, those are too small of things. And you know it in your soul. But if you want to live for passion, you want to live for something worthwhile, you want to be fulfilled in life and to make a difference and impact is eternal. You want to be forgiven of your sins and step out of darkness and guilt and into life and to freedom. Jesus is waiting. He is there today. And he says, if you believe, I will take you. If you would just trust me enough, just a mustard seed to say, maybe he's there. Maybe he's God and maybe he really did want to forgive you. If you come in by faith, you will be saved. And not just be a Christian. It would be a member of the eternal kingdom, be part of the church, to have purpose and passion in life. If you need that foundation, I invite you to come now. What would hold you back from that? If you are part of this church family and you're a believer, maybe you're part of the congregation or the committed, maybe you're part of the core, and you have something heavy, that's what the fellowship is for. We want to pray with you, but we also want to help you and encourage you and to surround you and to really help you through whatever it is you're struggling with. If you have a prayer request that you need to share with us, I invite you also to come. Or maybe you're part of the community, maybe you're part of the congregation, but you haven't made this your church home. And you said, you know what? I just kind of come and go. I want you to know that this church family is a place for you, that you are part of the body of Christ. And if you haven't planted your your flag at a church family, then you need to do that. And we invite you to join us. This is what we're about. (laughs) We're about Jesus Christ. We're we're a church on on a mission. We've got passion and we've got purposes, but really it's all about Christ. If you need a church home, then we welcome you to join us. Whatever your decision is, whatever your quest is, I invite you to come now and to share it, to bring it to God, to bring it to us as we stand and as we sing. Thank you.